Well, good morning, everyone. This is Stuart Crawford. We had a bit of a delay there. everyone. Good afternoon to our friends on the East Coast. This is Stuart Crawford, and welcome to another episode of Small Business IT Radio. And, you know, I jumped the gun there. It must be spring and uh, before the music came on. But that's okay. That's that's what we're here for. We're, you know, we're human. We're allowed to make mistakes, and, you know, I made mine my first one for the day. Anyway, back on track. It's a beautiful spring day out here in western Canada. The sun's shining, the leaves are starting to come on the trees, and, uh, you know, it's a long weekend coming up, so a lot of people are, uh, you know, getting ready to you know, hit the course to go to to the mountains and uh, and take part in the uh, the beautiful beautiful return of spring that we have here in Western Canada. Anyways, welcome to Small Business IT Radio again. This is Stuart Crawford, and this is a radio program that comes to you uh, every week here on Blog Talk Radio. It's a free internet uh, radio service that you can go and subscribe to at BlogTalkRadio.com. Set up an account and start uh, broadcasting your voice to the world. And again, we're here every week, and we bring different uh, speakers and different uh, guests on to talk about how we can take things back to our business, make us more effective, and win more opportunities that are out there. Our special guest today is um, a dear friend of mine. Her name is Frances Cole-Jones. And I had an opportunity to meet Frances, oh, gee, Frances, it must have been like a year and a half ago now when you were here through town at the, with the Art of the Sales Conference with Keith Ferrezzi and a few other speakers. And uh, it was the first time I had a chance to... Uh, Meet me in the, in the networking event afterwards. It was it was a great and a great experience. And I have your the fir- the first book that you've released. And I know you're working on a second called How to Wow. This was a, this was a wonderful book. You know, there's a lot of things in here that it was a good refresher for me. And there was a lot of cool things that I didn't even know before. So this is we'll we'll get and we'll dig deep into some of the things that we want to talk about today, especially what's changed in the last 18 months uh, when I first read this book to now because a lot of things have gone a little bit, uh, it's a little sideways out there in the economy today, but there's a lot of great things that we can take out of um, the How to Wow book and we'll talk about those. Uh, I want to introduce my uh, my guest today, Frances Cole-Jones, founded a company called Cole Media Management in 1997. She's based in New York City and the company's focus is really to cultivate uh, our inherent strengths and to develop powerful communication skills to uh, in, to uh, develop or enhance our professional and personal performances out there. You know, Francis has worked uh, in television, uh, helping CEOs get ready for uh, IPOs and those type of roadshows that some of our clients take uh, take advantage of out there, especially when the market was really good. And uh, you know, she's a very accomplished uh, speaker. Francis, welcome to our program today. Thank you so much. It's so nice to be here. And tell us a little bit yourself, because I'm sure there's a lot of our listeners out there that are hearing your beautiful voice for the first time. Well, I think that the most important thing that I tell all of my clients and everybody in every situation comes from a study that they did at UCLA, which is that there are three components to your message, verbal, vocal, and visual. And what would you guess that people remember of the actual words that you say? Any guesses? You know, my you, guess is I, I've heard stats on 10 before? to 15%. Uh-huh. Right. It's only 7%. So wow. 38% of your impact comes from your tonal quality, what your voice is doing while you're talking, and 55% comes from your body, what your body is doing while you're speaking. So... This applies, again, whether you're in a networking situation, whether you're in a job interview, whether you're in a pitch meeting, whether you're on a date. You need to remember these percentages so that you can make sure you know that the words that you say are memorable, and I have a number of tricks for doing that. And then you want to make sure that neither your tonality nor your physicality detracts from what you're saying. So... Those are the well, that's a great you know, that, that's a great start uh, to our program today. You know, a lot of I've seen a big increase of, uh, in people going out to networking events, taking advantage mm-hmm. of their local chamber of commerces, maybe the BNI organization, and a lot of them I find are struggling because they nev- they're, they're almost like a fish out of water. They have no idea how to network or how to you know create that you know that wow factor that makes a guy like me who's been networking you know during the boom years out here, especially in Western Canada, uh, I've been networking 
through and through, and, and there's a lot of uh, people know what I do, and they know, the, and, the, and serving the community. But a lot of these new people coming in, you know, getting thrusted into networking for the first time, and there's a number of our listeners who I talk to at conferences that say, I just don't feel comfortable going to networking events. I don't know how to uh, share what I do or what my company does. Uh, what, would the, what would your first recommendation be, Francis, to, you know, to help somebody get comfortable in a networking environment? I think in those situations, you need to be able to walk in with a story. And the story needs to be a little bit about you and your company or your product, but more about how it's going to make the person you're meeting, how is it going to make their life better? Because they don't, you know what, at the end of the day, as much as we love to think that everybody, you know, is excited to meet us, and very often they are, they're really very excited about their own lives, (laughs) probably far more excited. So anytime I have my clients talk about their products or their service or their business or themselves, it's always within the context of this is how it's going to make your life better. So, you know, if you are, you know, for example, if you make uh, health food, and you meet somebody rather than saying, oh, well, my company makes this marvelous granola and blah, 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 blah. It's, you know, as I'm sure you know, health is a top priority for everybody right now. And, you know, I, you seem like you're in great shape and like you're taking great care of yourself. And I really wanted to leverage that with my business. So what I've done is I've made a granola that allows people like yourself to, you know, blah, 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 blah. Oh, all of a sudden, well, that's interesting. Now you're not just telling me about your granola. You're telling me about how your granola is going to make my life better. And I want to get to know you. So it really is always, again, putting it in a framework where the other person sees how their life intersects with what you're selling. And it makes a lot of sense. And I'm, I'm not sure if you know Bob Berg at all, Francis, but I had Bob on the program a number of times. He wrote a book called The Go-Giver. I'm not sure if you're familiar with this, his work. No, I'm not. Tell me. But Bob has a, uh, basically fable, a business fable called The Go-Giver, and it's, it's all about uh, putting the needs of others first. The, you know, the, the more you give in value, the more you will receive in payment. Same type of idea when I go, to ta- uh, go into a networking event. I've changed my own story to be, here's Bulletproof Infotech, here's all the great things that, uh, as a company that we do, and really put in the perspective, you know, how can I serve every single one of these people in the room. And here's my little tip for networking, and perhaps uh, you, you're already aware of it. But when I'm going up there, I'm going to a networking event at our Chamber of Commerce wanting to learn what everybody else in the room does so I can better serve my clients. Right. And when I have an understanding of what everybody does, I can share business referrals to those people that are in my networking club. And that's really what networking is all about. Right, and networking if I can give, is as much, yeah, about how, how can I help you, you know? Yeah. And I've, what I have found is if I can help people in the room, the, the leads coming back to me, it just happens naturally. There's, some, there's a force in the universe that makes that happen. Right. So, well, also, now, if, you connect, if you connect two people and they end up doing a deal together, you've got two people out in the world talking about how great you are. Oh, absolutely. I, I can't do higher math, but two is more than one. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah but my, you know, after five on my golf score, it, uh, I start losing count. So. Yeah. But th- that's the reality of the world that we live in, too, especially now that we are in a, you know, in a bit of a, a sideways economy. I hate using the word downturn, but you know, we're gone a little sideways these days. And um, you know, there's so many people out there pitching. It's all to, to me. It's all about they're using the. It's all about me. And, and I think we need to reframe that back to what can I do for you? And I think you kind of touched on that. Yeah, absolutely. And also then to begin to speak in stories, which is how you become more memorable. Um, I really caution people against the use of what's known in my business as useless modifiers. You know, it's great, it's amazing, it's incredible. It's, it's, it's only those things if you tell me why. So you really need to have a story um, for, you know, tell me about your, again, tell me about your product. Well, this is why it's great or amazing or incredible. Or if you go into a job interview, you know, very often we think, because we're hopefully very prepared for the job interview, that our interviewer is also very prepared. And you know what? Quite often they're not. So they'll begin with a big softball question like, so tell me about yourself. If you don't have a story to go to in that moment, 
you're going to lose an opportunity to become memorable. So, you know, tell, so tell me about yourself. Well, one of the things I loved best about my last job was my opportunity to work with my team, you know, that kind of thing. So you really just you want to have, again, a story for any softball question. Tell me why you want to be in this industry. Oh, well, from the time I was X years old, I've always been better. Oh, the first time I saw your product, whatever it might be. But do have that rather than, you know, oh, it's just like it's really amazing and it's really incredible. <laughs> well, I've always been a big believer of storytelling. Some of the, some of the most my my influencers out there have been exactly that. They they tell they tell stories, and right. I've been I've been known to ramble on a few times and get into. I I, I find that I, I peel the layer of the onion back almost in every conversation. I can know somebody for five minutes, and and uh, I'm already telling my whole life story. But my friend uh, uh, Dave, who lives in San Francisco, made he uh, does HR consulting. He once told me he says. You know, Stuart, you can make friends with anybody in this room. Maybe five minutes later, you might not remember their name, but they'll remember you. Right, and I think that, I mean, you want to strike a balance between giving too much information and giving memorable information. And so, you know, you see a lot of people who do it very well. You can watch it on cooking shows because, you know, we can't smell the food and we can't taste the food. So they'll say things like, oh, you know, the smell of these cookies baking just reminds me of sitting on grandma's back porch, watching the laundry dry on the line, whatever it might be. Stories don't need to be long to be memorable. So it's just having these quick little hits in your arsenal for when you meet people. So one of the some of the pushback I get from uh, technology professionals, because this show's geared to more technology professionals, Francis, mm-hmm. is we are more, you know, analytical thinkers, uh, you know, very technical-minded and that creativity part of the brain never has a hard time getting engaged. What would your recommendation be to to those analytical thinkers out there that really just, you know, everything has its place, every, you know, everything has a flow chart? Because really life is kind of like a mixture of both sides, isn't it not? Absolutely. And I think that what you want to do when you put together a presentation is – if you do have a slide or a visual or if you do have data, you want to think of, again, a quick story to attach to it so that it becomes that much more memorable. Um, I'll give you an example. I was working with uh, the sugar lobby, and they were talking about, you know, sugar and its value versus, you know, substitute sweeteners. And so what we did was we got a lot of products that are made with substitute sweeteners, and we, you know, we showed those, and we passed them around the room rather than putting up slides that said, you know, this much percentage of, you know, uh, you know, fake sweetener is is detrimental and this and this and this, and we got out of a numbers conversation and into more of a props conversation at the end of the day. So I do, I recommend stories, I recommend props, I recommend um, thinking about how would you explain it to someone who's 10 or 11 years old. Because at the end of the day, that's what engages us. That's a good way to put it, and I've always... And I don't, I don't mean to put, you know, when I'm talking to people, uh, I don't mean to put them down when I say it, but I really got to, I really got to make it as simple for the, the person who is the least technical, probably from in the room when I'm talking about technical stuff. Right. So when and I'm talking it, to, when I'm talking to truck, to an owner of a trucking company, I use, when I use a lot of, uh, descriptive things that that tie into his industry or her industry, and, and but I might talk, I might be talking about technology and how Windows does something. By the end of the day, I'm putting in the terms that that person understands. I think that's very important when we're meeting people for the first time or or talking to a group of people as well. And it, it comes back to that being memorable. Right. And, it, I mean, for instance, if you meet somebody and they say, what do you do? And you say, oh, I sell, sell commercial real estate. Well, that doesn't make anybody's heart sing. But if you say, oh, well, I sell commercial real estate, you know, for example, do you know the building down on the corner of, you know, Maine and State? Well, that was something that I, oh, all right. Well, now you're talking about my neighborhood. And now you're a real person and you're impacting my life. So it's, it is it's just about, um, you know, again, speaking into the other person's life and their experiences. So here's here's another question for you because I you know talking about that is what I'm uh, the trend I'm seeing now in a lot of uh, you know networking or one-on-one type uh, meetings 
is everybody's trying to make my life better. And I think that's getting an overused term. Is, but it, now it's getting to be noise uh, out there. And, you know, what I'm finding, and maybe, and maybe we address this for a few minutes, is how important is it to be a little different than trying to be maybe better than the, what the other guy is saying next to you? Different how? Can you... Can so you if I'm going that? for, let's say, going for a job interview, and, uh, you know, I'm 20, 25th out of 30 people that are getting interviewed for right. a job, and we, all, and we all have the same skills. So I can go into there and say I'm, a, I'm a much better than the, the last guy you interviewed. But wouldn't it be more advisable to say, here's how I think, see things, but this is how I would do it a little differently? Absolutely, you can do that. But I would first, again, put it in the context of I was doing research on your company, and I noticed that in your mission statement you talk about X being very important to you, and this is how it meshes with my skill set. Or I w- when, as I read the description of the candidate that you're looking for, I was immediately struck because my experience relates to it this way. So you do always want to put it in the context of how you're going to add value to their life. And I think that's the key is when you when you add value and you put it in the and you're putting them first, whoever you're talking to. Right. I find my attention immediately is, you know, honed in on this person who's doing the speaking. Right. So I mean, those are some key skills um, in uh, even in networking or even the job interview. But after after the interview's done, Francis, or the networking event's done, what would you recommend that somebody does next? Um, do you recommend a follow-up phone call, uh, a letter saying thank you? Um, what would you What would you do? I recommend sending an email within 24 hours of any interview, thanking the person for you know. I I can be very specific. You rather than thank you so much for taking the time to meet with me yesterday, which doesn't really um, have an any authority. I would begin by saying it was such a pleasure to meet you yesterday. Uh, as noted, I was so pleased when I read your job description and saw how it messed with my skill set. Reference p- part of the conversation that you had. Remind them in that way of who you are. Very often when I go into an interview, um, I mention either a book that I've read that I think that person might find interesting or an article I read recently that I think they would find interesting. If they hadn't read it or seen it, I often include a link to that in my thank you note. And that's just a gift with purchase that you've now sent to an HR person. You've made them smarter. So that can make them, again, they'll just be a little, feel a little bit more warmly towards you. And then I close usually with housekeeping details. As discussed, I look forward to hearing from you within the next, you know, X amount of time. If you want to reach me in the interim, I can be reached at. And then include multiple ways to reach you. Don't just give one cell phone number, all right? Because, you know, they need to have a landline, they need to have a cell line, they need to have an email. People feel comfortable getting in touch in lots of different ways. So give them the option to choose the way that's most comfortable for them. Okay, I mean that makes a lot of sense uh, for me, especially the multiple ways of contact. And it's not, you know, I find human nature is a lot of people just don't do that, Francis. So how do you, how do you, do you is it something you just have to train yourself to do? You know, like a habit. You more the more you do it, the more it just happens naturally. To give people this the multiple ways of reaching out to you, or just or just even just following up. Period. With thank you notes. Yes. Yeah, follow up. People, yeah, exactly. Following up must be a habit. Um, there's no, even if you have nothing to say. I, uh, I'm, as you mentioned, I'm writing a new book. It's coming out in September. And one of the concepts I talk about is calling with no news. A lot of times you won't hear from people because they don't have the answer to your question. Well, then call and tell them that so they can stop wondering if you've forgotten about them. All right, just let them know. But with regard to job interviews, with regard to networking events, I really do recommend sitting down, 
the next day, well, job interviews for sure. You have to have a thank you note within the mail within 24 hours. But even after networking events, I think it's really important to get a note in the mail within 24 hours to say, it was such a pleasure to meet you yesterday. I wanted to let you know, um, you know I, or I so, I so enjoyed our conversation. So that then, again, you've put your email address, your name, again, in front of that person. And you're not asking for anything at that point. But when you when and if you need to, that connection's been established and you haven't waited to get in touch until you do want something. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I mean I can I don't find a lot of people, especially uh, technology professionals, uh following up. And Francis, I'll 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 have to share a story with you and this is one of the things that I have always done, uh and it just seems to be in second nature to me, was that you know, following up with no news. And uh, it happened when I was very young. And I was, when I was 18, I joined the military and the Canadian military. I was in the, in the communications field, so I was, you know, talking to people on, on the radio, like similar to what we were doing, just a little bit more formal. But, um, you know, I was doing that as a, as a career. And one of the things that we, we, you know, we had to do as part of our standard operating procedure in the military was every two hours or every three hours, we needed to touch base. This just allowed... The, the commanders at the headquarters to know that you know everybody's okay who's out there because right. the minute you didn't report in the they automatically assume that something was wrong and I think our clients and those people that we deal with if they don't hear from you what I find is either they think there's something wrong or they think that they're not important right and I, I know people want people want to feel that they, like they are they are very important Absolutely, and I think that you need to know, too, if you have an office with a staff and you have to leave for a meeting or for a lunch, you need to brief the people who are answering the phones. X might be calling. He will be calling about this. When he calls, tell him that. So that when their phone call comes in, the person answering the phone is able to say, oh, Mr. So-and-so, yes, I was told that you'd be calling, and here's what I was told to tell you. It just makes communication flow. And as you say... It's the one piece that people forget, this idea that you need to be in touch regardless of whether or not there's anything that you have to say. But it makes a huge difference in cultivating trust. And, you know, one of the things I've done, so those IT professionals that are out there are listening today, we all run uh, Blackberries, uh, Windows mobile phones or iPhones. I know we get so, I know people get so distracted with living in the now that sometimes these reminders, uh, and these touching bases don't happen. Little tip, little tip for me is just put it in your calendar. And you'll block off an, an hour every day to and make a follow-up list. And these are people that you need to either send letters to or or emails or just make a phone call to. And Francis, I found that to be very effective in just making sure I got that done. Checklists are very important. Yes. Um, you never under there's a reason why pilots and surgeons both have to use them. You know. If you Absolutely. don't do something, somebody dies. I think everybody should pretty much be adopting that mindset. <laughs> that's a good. That's a good thing to. If you're not dying physically, your business could be dying, right. or you could Absolutely. be losing uh, losing customers that are out there. So one of the things uh, I also wanted to talk about with you today was, uh, and it goes and it and all ties into the theme of uh, you know how to wow. Right. Which uh, if you're listening today and you want to get this book, you can get it at Chapters, Borders, or any uh, bookstore. You can buy it on Amazon.com uh, online. I do believe, Francis, can you get it from your website as well? You can. The website is howtowow-thebook.com. And in addition to being able to buy the book there, there's also a button called Interact, which uh, allows people to send me questions. And I'm very, very happy to answer any and all questions that I get. And I've been doing a lot of that recently as people do go out for job interviews and things and they have questions about how to ask for more money if that's not their current salary or they have questions about how to write a thank you note. I do I do respond to all of the questions that I get. So please send them along. Great. So one of the things, and I have a friend of mine who runs a, uh, he's an image consultant. Mm-hmm. He runs a small company here and he helps uh, you know, entrepreneurs and CEOs perfect their image. How important is it for us to show up professional and the reason and what they, and how I'm going to describe this is in the technology world most of us wear golf shirts and khaki pants right I decided a few years ago that between Mondays and Thursdays it was going to be a suit and tie because I wanted to portray myself as a professional consultant 
and not just another uh, techie person. How important is it when you, and your customers that you're talking to, Francis, is having the right image for the type of clientele that you're or those relationships that you want to develop? Well, I'll give you an example. You know when you're watching a movie, or like a period movie, and someone's costume is not correct? You know, mm-hmm. and it's incredibly distracting. You know, if you look at the wristwatch that uh, Adrian, I think Adrian Brody's wearing in, in King Kong, it's not, it's not mm-hmm. right. It looks weird. It's like a 20th century thing. Or, uh, you know, Last of the Mohicans, what's like the, that they're using like the early American push-up bra through the whole film. It's just bizarre. The same thing is, is true when you go into a, a client meeting or a job interview. If you haven't considered your costuming appropriately, it's very distracting to the people that you're meeting. You really need to consider your wardrobe. You need to consider how you're going to blend in, how you're going to physically show the person that you're meeting with that you should be taken seriously and that you're going to fit in with the culture that you're, um, that you're speaking with. So, yes, very important. And then, but images doesn't stop with the clothes that you wear or no. the way you portray yourself. And, uh, one of the things I found with bigger companies and seem to kind of fall off near, you know, the smaller organizations is almost like a brand consistency or you know, just a general, you know, with Microsoft, for example, you can only really show their logo one way. And on everything that you see, their logo is consistent. They use a consistent font. Uh, everything is consistent from their PowerPoint slide decks right. to their literature. That is I find if I look at an organization that has multiple different ways of portraying themselves, I kind of question, are they a legitimate organization? How important is it to have a consistent look and feel to everything that you do? It's vital because it does send a degree of professionalism. And if every single person on your team has a different PowerPoint slide format, you need to organize that. If every single person in your company is using a different email message format, you need to standardize that. You know, this is the typeface that you will be using. This is how I need your signature to be appearing. These are the details that let people know that you take yourself seriously. What you choose is not as important as the fact that you have made a choice. So I really do want people to have that kind of consistency. You know, my my logo appears um, on my website, in exactly, I mean, it's exactly the same on every page, no matter what you click on. It's on my business card. It's on my letterhead. It's on everything that I touch just because you need to also, you want to begin to create brand recognition in your consumer's mind. So, I mean, talking, talking about this whole brand recognition and kind of goes into uh, presentation skills. And I mean, I know you do a lot of work with uh, – you know, CEOs across the country and uh, maybe some independent business people. And this kind of gets back to what we were, we were talking about earlier, Francis, around, you know, just sh- showing up and being prepared and having a consistent message and telling stories. May, can you share with us maybe some of the, the top three tips that you would, uh, you know, with some, on top of some of the things we already talked about, but some additional things about presentation styles or skills, maybe some of the things that you would consult with your clients on? Yes. The first thing, and this is um, often hard if, if, you're, if you're extremely good at technology, but the first thing that I want people to realize is that they are the presentation. Their slides and their data are not the presentation. So you need to be able to have worked out exactly what you're going to say and how you're going to say it when your technology is not working. You need to be able – I used to work with a – consultant out in California who worked only with politicians. And he worked with everybody from, you know, Chirac to Vincente Fox to the Clintons. But he told me a story about he used to put Margaret Thatcher in a completely black room with a candle. Because if you can present under those circumstances, you can present under any circumstances. And I really want that to be the primary focus as everyone's getting ready. What does the takeaway need to be, and how am I going to get people there with nothing but me and my voice and my commitment? Um, within the context of that, I mean, there is a, a guy, Kawasaki, who's the chief evangelist for Mac Computers, has what he calls the 10-20-30 rule, which is that your presentation should not have more than 10 slides. 
It should not go on for more than 20 minutes. And if you're writing in less than 30-point type, you have too many words on the page. And in general, I find that's a very good rule of thumb, give or take the odd slide or five minutes. But I think that that's as much time as people really mentally have for others' presentations. Um, and within any kind of slide or cover letter or as you're speaking, I always recommend remembering what's known as the rule of three, which is that we can only remember three things, and at point four we stop listening. And this is why it's three stooges and three musketeers and three blind mice and three little pigs, right? And there are always three wishes in every fairy story. It's never like the genie comes out and goes, today you're going to get four, all right? So I really do recommend people hold themselves to three examples. And I love that 10, 20, 30 rule as well. I've heard that before. Yeah. Um, I, I, a funny, funny that you mentioned that. I was up in our Red Deer office, which is about an hour north of Calgary. Uh, yesterday we did a presentation to the Chamber of Commerce there. And yesterday was the first presentation that I did that I had one slide with words on it. All the other slides were just pictures. And I bet you they and loved you. It was great because, you know what, I got people focusing on me instead of focusing on reading my slides. Right. They, they were, I, I watched. Yeah, I watched the eyes. They were all focused on me. They do it. You know, they would look back at the picture every once in a while when I changed it. But people were listening. They were more attentive. They weren't. They weren't falling asleep after. Oh yeah, here's another. Read the slides. And, and I found that to be a very effective way of presenting. And uh, absolutely, we've all been reading for a really long time. I mean, I don't know about you, but I started like you know four or five. And um, and we were so angry when someone just stands up and reads to us. So. Do, do, you know, knock people out with actual visuals rather than just a repetition of what's coming out of your mouth. My personal rule with clients is I don't want anything that's coming out of your mouth to be up on that screen. But uh, I understand I'm a little bit more stringent. <laughs> that's a, and that's a good, that's a good thing because I'm actually preparing to do a talk in New Orleans on social media in July. So I'm going to take a lot of these things and, and put it to practice when I go down there. That's great. We the we talked a few. Sorry, go ahead, Francis. I was going to, the other thing to think about with presenting, um, in general, and actually I think it's also extremely applicable to job interviews too, is that you are presenting or you are interviewing from the time you arrive at the venue. Very often people forget this. So you'll see a presenter, and you people look around to see who the presenter is and where they're sitting. If your presenter is sitting there flipping through their notes or looking, you know, extremely nervous or tense, then you as an audience begin to get tense because you're like, ah, this guy doesn't seem prepared. So I really need you to be sitting in a commanding way. I need you to be relaxed. I need you to be smiling. I need you to be paying attention to what's going on in the room. And then when you're when people when you are introduced, I need you to launch yourself out of your seat. I need you to be excited to get up to the podium. A lot of people kind of they walk up to the podium, their shoulders are hunched and they're looking so anxious. And again, your audience is now nervous and you haven't said a word, but you've set the tone. With regard to job interviews, I think that people need to remember that they're interviewing from the time they arrive in the parking lot. I was talking to a CEO the other day who said she sits up in her office and she watches how people get out of their cars. She saw this woman get out of her car the other day and uh, and stand in the parking lot and brush her hair. And the CEO is like, she lost the job. She lost the job before she walked in the building. So it I, all I, I, like add, I like to add one thing to that, Francis, as well, yeah. is that you know, with the whole onslaught of social media with Facebook, Twitter, MySpace, oh, yeah. I believe you're getting interviewed the minute you send your resume and people oh. in the HR department opens and, and searches yes. on Twitter. They, have, they check all yeah. of it. Yeah. So if you have pictures of you with your drunk parties on Facebook and you're looking for a job, I would recommend you probably take those down. My rule of thumb is any picture that does not convey I can be trusted with $100,000, I want it off your site. And I don't, do not care if that doesn't make you seem like a fun person. <laughs> yeah, you, can, you can have fun and still be able to be trusted Absolutely. with $100,000. Um, you'll have more fun. But yes, all of those things. And I've also heard recently about employers making uh, interviewees open their Facebook pages mid-interview. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's scary. So clean all of that up, please. 
Um, this other thing I wanted to talk a little bit about, too, in terms of presenting yourself, and it's an often overlooked thing, is your voicemail greeting. A lot of people record voicemail greetings, and you know they either sound exhausted, or they sound rushed, or they sound drunk, or they sound flirtatious, or they sound like they got in the car and they rolled all the windows down, and then they started recording their voicemail greeting. This is another window um, onto the world. So you really need to record something that's professional and warm and welcoming. And you do that by standing before you begin to record because that automatically gives your voice more energy and enthusiasm. I want you to hit record, to inhale, then hit record and speak on an exhalation. You hear a lot of people who hit record and they go, hi. (laughs) So I don't want that. And if you're going to leave an alternate number, Leave it very slowly and very clearly because I don't want to call your machine back six times to know how to reach you. All of these things matter. Finally, if you're going to say, I'm so sorry I missed your call, you need to actually sound sorry. I was working with a guy recently, and we called his voicemail, and he said, hey, this is so-and-so, and I am sorry I missed your call. And he sounded like he'd gone to Disney World for the day. So really, you need to sound genuinely regretful in that moment. You know, and that's what you know. I I, I totally agree with you on that. And there's a I I shake my head on some things uh, on voicemails. And I think I was talking with Keith Ferrezzi, uh at the social event after the Art of Sales one. It was here in Calgary, uh-huh. and I had I was I was telling Keith about a friend of mine who introduced me to his community, and he wanted to call him on the phone. So I, he right. took my cell phone and he called my friend Jody who lives in the west or in central Iowa, and I just to thank him for uh, you know sharing the news about his uh, his community. And Jody's voicemail has to be at least two minutes long. Right. So, so you know, not everybody knows that you hit the you can hit the pound key or another key on the phone, and it would you know automatically jump to the recording. So Keith thanked Jody, then also mentioned his his recording was just a little too long. I mean, right. I think I think being you know having an effective voicemail, but also keeping it clear and concise is also very critical. Uh, you know, when, right. in, in in your whole image, right? Absolutely. It is, it, is, it is a presentation, and you don't want to think of it as anything less just because you're not putting up slides. <laughs> mm-hmm. One of the other things, uh, Francis, I want to kind of ch- uh, chat about here is because, you know, we talked about uh, a lot of things about presentation and, you know, and creating that wow factor, and, uh, you know, I think life is a presentation from day one. Um, what about email? Because one of the things we hear from a lot of people is, you know, email is impersonal. It's... You know the context we taking taking wrong. And what you no? Know, what are your views on email? When should it, you may mention you mentioned that it should be used twenty four hours after meeting somebody. Um, is there do you, do you find that there's a right time and place to, uh, to use email? Yes. Well, as I said, thank you notes via email appear to be a necessary evil. I've given up on the idea of people sending snail mail thank you notes, although if you can do both, that's also very much appreciated by me. But in general, with regard to email, I think it's great, you know, if a meeting's been changed and you need to let everybody know, hey, we pushed it back an hour. What I don't want email used for is problem solving. Um, A lot of people tend to, you know, that's the the nature, uh, that's how it's being used. And email can't convey tone, which is 38% of your impact again, and it can't convey, you know, obviously your physicality, which is 55. So you're down to having a 7% chance of being understood. Why would you use that as a problem-solving tool? So, again, when you have a situation with somebody, my request is that you either go down the hall and handle it, or you pick up the phone if you can't go speak to them in person, because you'll have you'll, you'll re- resolve the you know the situation that much more quickly. Um, I mean, there's an essay in the book called "The Devils on Email," and I really, I really do, I really do, uh, do believe that. I think that it is it's extremely useful for some things and incredibly detrimental for others. The other thing that makes me crazy about email is uh, the overuse of urgent and crisis. And, you know, the red flags marking it. I really want people to consider, like, is this as urgent to the person receiving the email as it is to you? And if it's not, I want you to dial it back. Um, And finally, in general, I have a phobia about the word crisis. 
because I just feel like the use of that word makes everybody set a little nuts. And uh, the example I give, I don't know if, uh, I don't think it was as uh, common a pro- program in Canada as was here, but in the White House they have what they have, they have the situation room, which is where everybody goes when there is a crisis. But they don't call it the crisis room. They call it the situation room for a reason. So really, you know, m- Keep your tone appropriate. Pick up the phone if you can. Go down the hall. But don't use email to try to sort out a disagreement or a misunderstanding because you, you'll usually only make matters worse. So what I, what I found is uh, with email is you can, you, an email thread can take two or three days to resolve something that can get resolved in a phone call or a face-to-face interaction in about 15 to 30 minutes. Absolutely, because then everybody gets on their high horse and starts feeling misunderstood. Starts ma- like it, it just um, it it rarely it rarely makes things better. Um, so, yeah, and I I totally agree. It's you know pick up the I, uh, pick up the phone and call me sometimes. Right. That's what I what I tell people, Francis, we got about uh, you know uh, twenty minutes or so left. Uh, you know, we talked about uh, prior to the show going live the you know the way the world is today and you know, networking opportunities and job interviews are, you know, hot topics right now because a lot of people are either entrepreneurs getting out trying to find new business or, you know, people just, you know, getting laid off from their jobs and wanting to go seek, seek new employment. Um, you know, do you have, like, a top, you know, five tips that people can prepare before going into an interview uh, with a potential employer that, you know, if they take, if they, or, sorry, let's say top three because we want to keep it in three because nobody remembers after mm-hmm. three. You know, what are the top three things you would, you would recommend to uh, a person going into an interview for the first time that maybe hasn't been in an interview situation in a number of years? You want to have the answers, as I said, to the softball questions. Tell me about yourself. Tell me about your last job. Tell me about your you know, greatest strength or your greatest weakness. And FYI, your greatest weakness is just any strength that you have that's taken to an extreme. So, you know, for example, you could be like, you know what, I just I love my subject so much that sometimes I tend to overwhelm people with detail. So I really am making a point of editing myself and giving people only exactly what they need, blah, blah, blah. So you need to have your answers to your softballs. I want you to think of the worst three questions that you are going to get asked, and you need to work out the answers to those questions. So if you have a gap in your resume, if you have a gap in your skill set, you need to think about how you're going to address that because hope is not a strategy. So, And it often it's really helpful to be on offense instead of on defense. Sometimes people say, well, where do you want to start? And you can say, well, you know, if I were sitting where you were sitting, I'd be wondering about the gap in my resume. So you know, maybe we could start by talking about what I did during that time. And so then, boom, you're just, it's done. It's out of your hair, and you're not sitting there dreading it. So... Softball questions, worst three questions. And the other thing, as I said before, is just to remember that you are interviewing from the time you arrive at the building. It's how you ride up in the elevator. It's how you greet the receptionist. Don't think that they are not asking the receptionist how you handled yourself while you were sitting there. I was working recently with the CEO. He ended up getting the job. He was one of five guys going for uh, head of an international company. And what he found out afterward was that in addition to all the other people who with whom he'd interviewed, the receptionist who had been checking everybody in and out, was her opinion was polled. Was this person someone who bothered to learn your name? Was this person someone who, you know, sat there and was quiet and considerate? Or was he yakking on his cell phone to other people? You need to realize that no detail is unimportant. Just as in the same as, again, you want to make sure, too, perhaps your interviewer isn't prepared and you walk in and they say, oh, you know, I, I know I have your resume here. It was just here a minute ago. Have a second resume in your bag. Be able to hand that over. You want to do everything you can to make yourself stand out, to make their life easier, to be memorable. And that's, uh, I, I agree. Totally, totally, totally agree with your comments on uh you know the receptionist and and you know, being polite to everybody that you meet and and creating and creating that wow with every interaction because um, I a couple of things to share was one I remember uh, I think it was the Apprentice UK with uh, Richard Branson uh-huh. when he 
I think I think he went to pick up everybody at the airport, and he was in uh, in disguise as the limo driver, and uh, those people that were rude to him as the limo driver from day one were even immediately let go from the show. I believe it. Yeah, and uh, and, and they did, even at the um, the art of sales when you were at Jeffrey Gittenberg in the morning was walking around just mingling with people right. dressed as a maintenance guy. Yeah. For people that didn't know and just to see how people would treat him. I believe that from the minute you walk into a building, you treat everybody with respect. I think you do that no matter what you do in life. Right. Because uh, you know what come, goes around comes around. And also, I mean, a lot of people will leave the interview and they'll be excited and they'll call their friends, you know, on their phone in the elevator or within a two-block radius of the building. Just don't do it, you know. You don't, you don't, you simply don't know who's listening. So, exactly. you know, to be, be smart and, uh, and be committed and be enthusiastic and do your research. And I know a number of my uh, uh, friends' uh, firms, uh, you know, back to the receptionist, they use the receptionist to judge the creep factor. Right. You know, what was that person like? Do you know? I, I believe I believe women have a, a unique skill to figure out, you know, which person's creepy and which person's not. Well, we oh. are we have less physical strength, so we're we're often more on guard. <laughs> <laughs> so, Francis, you're working on a new book. It's coming, going to be coming out in, uh, in September of this year. I think that's the date you uh, you're scheduling it for. Right. You know, in the last few minutes we have today, would you like to give us a sneak preview about what the book's about and uh, you know what uh, readers can expect from it? It's called the Wow Factor, um, and it's basically you know it's how to wow on steroids. So it's everything you know the same principles as I could you know covered in the first book, and a lot of the same. You know, as you, if you've been listening, nothing I'm saying is groundbreaking. A lot of it's just very practical information, but. You know, seeing it all in front of you reminds you, oh, I have to do that, I have to do that, I have to do that. Um, the wow factor takes all of this and hopefully gives you the additional edge that you need. And an example of that would be, you know, say, for instance, you're going into an interview in a subject, you know, in a new field just because that's a job and you need a job. A quick way to get up to speed on um on the industry in question is to go to uh, the Harvard Business School um, website and download Harvard Business School case studies because they have case studies on every single subject under the sun. You can download them for $6.95 U.S. And that will give you immediate credibility and comfort. I'm referring to them as corporate cliff notes. You know, it's just a quick way to find out about an industry you might not know a lot about. It's a great thing to do before a pitch meeting. So, it's all about uh, again these the details and finding the research and doing the background research and, and helping people out as much as possible. And that's you know that's a great way to look at uh, doing your research prior to going to a meeting. It's another way to to uh, impress the person that you're uh, that you're meeting. That this guy right. or this girl really understands right what we do. Yes. Not like all the other sales guys have come in the, uh, through the door. Right. Francis, I want to thank you very much for your for your time and coming to talk on our program today. In, in, in closing, any last-minute uh, you know things that we haven't spoken about that you wanted to address? I think the most important thing is that if once you do decide that you are in control, the the thing I, I bump into most with clients is a feeling of nervousness or anxiety, and in fact, you know they have so much more control over meetings and interviews than they realize. It's just a matter of rather than dreading it and so procrastinating, taking control of it and really doing everything that you can in your power so that if you don't get the deal or you don't get the job, you have nothing to reproach yourself for because you did everything you possibly could. I want people to have no regret living and you know, to give yourself the confidence that you, that you can do more and you, and you, you can outshine any, any competitor that you might have. Because um, it is a lot, a lot easier than people want you to know that it is. I mean, that's really why I wrote the book, because I want everybody to feel confident. It, it hurts me when people are nervous about presenting themselves. So. So great, and for good, more information on uh, on yourself and your book, uh, yes. maybe get news on the upcoming book. It's howtowow-thebook.com. Yes. And that's where you can ask you, they can ask you questions from that website and interact with you um, on the right. website there. And there's somewhere they, they can sign up for the, what's known as the Wow of the Week, 
which is uh, it doesn't come out every week. It's just it's, as I come up with information that I want people to have, I shoot it out that way so that they can get it without having to wait for the next book. So sign up there too. It's great. Great. So that's at howtowell-thebook. Yeah, the book. Oh, yeah, the book. Excellent. Yeah. So, Francis, thank you very much. This has been a wonderful so experience. Much. I'm going to remember this for a long, long time. Well, enjoy your holiday weekend. Yes, yeah, it's uh, uh, Queen Victoria's birthday this weekend, so we're all going to be out celebrating and camping and all that good stuff that us Canadians do when the, when the snow melts. It's wonderful. I envy you. You have a beautiful, beautiful town, country. Great. I really I loved my time there. And thank you very much. I look forward to uh, having you on once the new book releases. And I, I wish you all the best of luck thank as you're you. prepping over the summer to have that that released in September. Thank you so much. Okay. So that was uh, our Frances Cole Jones from uh, Cole Media Management. She wrote a wonderful book called How to Wow, and you can get that at uh, howtowow-thebook.com. Just a quick update on what we have uh, coming up in the next few weeks here on Small Business IT Radio. Next week, we're going to have a great chat on, um, more kind of on the IT industry, uh, the partner of the future with Ryan Morris from iPad. Now, Ryan presented at the HEG Summit in Dallas a few weeks ago and had some wonderful things to uh, say. If you weren't in Dallas, we're going to have uh, Ryan on next week, uh, talking about that at the same time next week, 10 o'clock uh, Mountain Time. That's noon in uh, the Eastern Time Zone. So check in on that. Uh, some future shows we're going to have... Uh, Kendra Lee from the KLA group, KLA group out of Denver coming to talk about the 20 secrets to attracting new prospects, and that will be on uh, June 26th. And we're working on finalizing some other uh, things on our schedule between now and uh, uh, over the summer. If you would like to get more information on Small Business IT Radio, you can go to our website at smallbusinessitradio.com. We're always looking for great story ideas for people to have on our program. So if you have an interesting story to tell, you can uh, contact us through the website at smallbusinessitradio.com. You can ga- download uh, copies of our podcast through iTunes or from the website. And, um, yeah, lots of great stuff happening here. We're going to have some a very interesting summer as we finalize our speaker schedule. I want to thank uh, Frances for her time today and all of you that are listening live on blogtalkradio.com. And for all those that download this program and listen to it as you're you know, driving your car or working out on the treadmill or whatever you do when you're listening to this program. I'd like to uh, thank you all. So this is Stuart Crawford. We're going to sign off for today. Have a great, successful week. We'll see you all next week with Ryan Morris from iPad.